Well, what an exciting day it is, a day that we've got to come together to worship God, uh, to be with those that we love. Uh, Some of the closest people in the world to me are in this room right now because we're family, spiritual family, and I'm grateful to be here with you, grateful that you're here, uh, whether you're joining us streaming online or here in, in person for this day. And every Sunday is a great opportunity, an exciting day to worship God, but this day is different. Um, special in some ways because we are appointing additional elders. I've told you before, many of you have heard the story of when uh, I took swimming lessons as a kid and didn't learn how to swim. Um, I was four or five years old, but what stands out vividly in my mind uh, was that there was a line of kids going to the edge of the pool, and I was back in the line a little bit, and each kid would come to the edge of the pool and there'd be an instructor down there with their arms up, and they'd say, jump in and, and I'll catch you. And the kid would jump in, and the instructor would draw back his arms, and then they'd have to struggle and swim to the instructor. I saw that happening over and over and over. And when it came to be my turn, I got up here, and they said, jump in. I said, are you going to catch me? And they said, yes, I'll catch you. And I thought to myself, I don't know. I saw what happened with all those other kids. But they said they would catch me. And so I jump in. They don't catch me. And out of betrayal... With a little bit of stubbornness, I just floated down to the bottom of the pool. (laughs) But what I've not told you before uh, is the story of when I taught my own girls how to swim. And as part of that process, when they were about the same age, maybe four or five years old, we took off their floaties, they got on the edge of the pool, and I asked them to jump in. And they asked, Daddy, are you going to catch me? And I said, yes, I'm going to catch you. And they jumped in, and I withdrew my hands. No, I didn't. (laughs) I caught them. And we did that over and over and over again. And they jumped, and they jumped, and they jumped. And finally, I started asking, okay, are you ready for you to jump in and swim to me? No, no, I'm not ready. No, no, no. Maybe, no. Until finally, yes. They jumped in, they swam to me. Of course, that's not all we did in order to teach them. And maybe you hear that story and you say, well, that sounds a lot like coddling your kids. A lot of kids learned how to swim the other way, no doubt. But it was good for my relationship with my girls. And for the record, both of them swim like fish without me lying to them. They could rely on me. I was the constant, the standard in a very uncomfortable situation. They knew they could trust me to be there, to be honest and faithful to them. And I never betrayed that trust in that process of teaching them to swim. I always caught them. And so they could grow and they could learn, but also they could trust me. They could trust me in other areas of life as well. And don't get me wrong, there have been far too many times where I've let let them down, let down their trust. Because when it gets right down to it, God is our only true constant. He is the only one who is totally faithful. And His consistency enables us to grow and do better despite our own inconsistencies. And He has put many constants in our lives to prove how reliable He really is. You think about our calendar. We have weeks. And we have seasons that come every year. And we have years that that go on a very strict schedule. 
We think about other parts of nature. The tides come in and they go out. There is seed time and harvest which come and go every year. There is birth and there is death. But most of all, maybe when we think about the consistency of of God, maybe we just have to think about a single day. That there is morning and there is evening from the very beginning. And we just assume, you assumed this morning, that the sun was going to rise. And with it, the opportunity to be better today than we were yesterday. That consistency from God gives us the opportunity to learn and to grow. I'm reminded of Lamentations chapter 3, 22 and 23. One of my favorite couple of verses. In a very negative book, in a very negative chapter of the book, Jeremiah says this, Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now understand what he's saying here. God's mercies are not new for God. He is always this way. He is always merciful. But every morning they are new for us. A new day gives us hope and opportunity to change and grow better because God is reliable and unchanging. Because His character is always gracious and merciful and abounding in loving kindness. Because His faithfulness is so great, it is absolutely unchanging, totally reliable. And several hundred years later from the time of Jeremiah, when the people were going into captivity, long after they returned from captivity, in the last book of the Bible, in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, The prophet Malachi says this from the lips of the Lord, For I am the Lord, I do not change, therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. No doubt you see the connection between the two passages. This idea that God's people are not consumed, when the fact of the matter is they probably deserve to be. And God did send them off into captivity. That's what Jeremiah was talking about. And they deserved to go into captivity. And yet still, Jacob was not consumed, but he was brought back. And even after the captivity, the book of Malachi recounts their half-hearted service to the Lord. And yet still, God in His great mercy, He does not consume them. Why? Because God is a God who does not change. God says in a context of great frustration at the continued unrighteousness of His people, He says, I am the Lord, I do not change, and I am still merciful, despite your pattern of rebellion. God says in the following verses in Malachi, this is my summation, just do what's right. I want you to just do what's right, and I will bless you. I want to bless you. In verse 10 of the same chapter, this is maybe a good way to sum it with a verse. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Just try me. Just see if this works. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will will not be room enough to receive it. If you will just do what's right, if you will just follow me, I want to bless you and I will bless you. Those are God's own words after asking them to do what is right. This is who God always is, and always was, and always will be. And we can be sure of the Lord. 
We can rely on Him. We can look to Him and imitate Him because He is unchanging and constant. God is consistent. And we need to try and align our lives more and more with Him. Imagine, truly imagine for just a moment in your Christian life, if you just had a fraction of the consistency of God, imagine who you could be. Imagine what you could accomplish. Imagine how God would bless you. And that should be the goal of each and every one of us as we grow. But how does all of that relate to the appointment of additional elders? Well, spiritual leaders of all kinds are supposed to serve a similar role of consistency that allows us as Christians to imitate and learn and grow. Throughout the Old Testament, for example, God's leaders are compared to shepherds. Uh, unfaithful shepherds, but shepherds nonetheless, with God as a kind of chief shepherd over those shepherds of, of God's flock. Ezekiel 34 and Zechariah 11 are good examples of that imagery in the Old Testament. And so when Jesus introduces this idea that He is the good shepherd, that's not something that would have been obviously unusual for them. They knew shepherds, but also this idea of God being a shepherd and His leaders being shepherds. And that terminology should immediately make us think of, of elders, of overseers or shepherds in the New Testament church. And Jesus as the chief shepherd, even as Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5. These shepherds, they imitate Christ. And we, as sheep, are supposed to follow and imitate them. Hebrews 13 explicitly combines these three elements. God's consistency, that He is constant and unchanging. The opportunities He provides us through that consistency and faithful leaders that we are supposed to look to and imitate. So if you have your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, and let's begin in verse 5. Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 5. We'll read down through verse 8. Hear the word of the Lord. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For He Himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God's consistency is what we have as Christians. And therefore, we should be content. We don't need to be covetous because we have something far, far better. We have the consistency of God in our lives who will never leave us and never forsake us. Which means He will bless us and all our needs will be taken care of. We don't need to be covetous. So, verse 6, we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Man can take my stuff away. But does that really impact me when God is on my side, when God is with me, and He will never leave me, He will never forsake me, because this is who God is? And it makes all the sense in the world that verse 8 should come next. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is constant. He is unchanging. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And because of that, you can be someone who lives with contentment. And you can imitate Christ in that way. But what's interesting is there's a verse between what we see in 5 and 6 and verse 8. It's what we see there in verse 7. 
Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the Word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Good leadership from faithful shepherds allows us to imitate God's consistency as a local church and as individuals who imitate these godly leaders. And we think about Timberland Drive specifically, our local congregation. We have enjoyed great consistency among our leaders, both past and present. And we can look to them, and and we can imitate them, and we can follow their faith. We can learn from them as they teach, and as verse 9 says, not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, but instead have hearts strengthened by grace. Because of their consistency as leaders, we're not inconsistent anymore. We follow after them, or at least that's the plan, that's the goal. Paul says in Philippians 3 and verse 17, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. And we are so blessed to have such a pattern. For the church that meets here, long-term peace and prosperity have been ours under faithful, godly leaders. And all the men still serving now have been so consistent in their leadership. Mike and Tim have been elders longer than the 12 years I've been here. I've, I've not known other shepherds, or I've known them only as shepherds in all the years I've been here. And Harold has been an example too, an influence on the congregation, first as a preacher and then also as an elder for almost 36 years. What a blessing it is. Obviously not just in length of time, but in the consistency of example. They're not perfect. They wouldn't claim to be. But they are men who are consistently seeking Christ and His kingdom first. Thank and praise them for their weight, their work. Honor them for their example. Because it is their faith that we follow. As they follow Christ. And as they imitate Him. And maybe verse 7 is looking back in some ways. You've had this. You've seen this. Maybe even it's looking back to those leaders who have passed on. But verse 17 brings us to the present and the future. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Just as God looks after your soul, so too these men look out for your soul. And adding additional shepherds allows us as sheep, as members of this congregation, this assembly, opportunities to continue our growth as we strive to be more like God and more like Christ. And so now what we're going to do is we're going to give each of these additional men the opportunity to speak. Travis Brazel, Barrett Lankford, Sean Penn, Monty Ramsey, and Ty Thornton in alphabetical order by last name. So we'll begin with Travis. Good morning. First of all, I just want to tell you how humbled and honored I am to be asked to serve in this capacity. 
I've been given some great opportunities in my life, but I hold this one in the highest regard. I'm looking forward to the work, and I know it's going to be work, and it's going to be hard work at times, but I'm looking forward to it. But I'm equally excited about the opportunity to work alongside the other men serving as elders and each of you as a congregation of God's people. Timberland Drive does have a long history of stability. I call this my home. They have a history of firmly standing for the truth. And that stability comes from the unity and peace within this congregation. The work is the mortar that provides that stability. And I'm looking forward to continuing that work. With a love for one another and for the Lord, we will continue to grow and we will remain a shining light in this community. And that's what we are. We are a shining light in this community. People look to us. They look to us for the example because of the kind of people that we have here that mortar that holds this together like stone and brick. As I was preparing for this portion of the, the worship service this morning and thinking about what I would say, 1 Corinthians 15:58 uh, came to mind. And it says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I felt it was necessary for us to, to pray and pray for strength, and I'd like to do that at this time. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to call you our God. We are so thankful for your wisdom your wisdom and the ways that you set forth things to be done in your kingdom. We thank you for the process that just took place at this congregation. We thank you for the men that have been put forward to be shepherds in your kingdom. We thank you for the members of this congregation and the kind of people that they are, godly people. We thank you so much for the strength that you provide when we ask for it. Father, we ask for that strength at this time, strength that, that we can continue to be the kind of people you want us to be and the strength to stand up for what is right. We pray that we will always bring glory to your name and that if we do fail, we quickly realize what has gone astray and get back on the path to righteousness so that you can look upon us and be happy about your creation and know that we are your people. We ask for all these things in your son's holy name. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. I uh, wanted to 
start off by reading just a short passage in Hebrews, uh, just a couple of chapters over from where we were, were a moment ago, Hebrews 10, <clears throat> starting in verse 22, it's just uh, our, our new um, uh, decorations and, and display out there has this verse, and it caught my eye this morning, it seemed to kind of, seemed to frame up what I wanted to say and what we were what we were about this morning. It says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank um, the elders, Brother Tim, Brother Mike, Brother Harold, for their leadership, uh, their sacrifice over so many years in providing us with guidance, with wisdom, and with love in the Spirit. Um, There's so many others that have that have gone before uh, and have served as an elder uh, in this congregation that has left such an, an indelible spiritual impact on me and my wife as we've, as we've raised our family here. And as Travis said, to me, you know, this is home. Uh, this is my church family. Um, and, and you always get in trouble when you start mentioning people by name, right? I don't want to leave anybody out, so please forgive me. But Brother Joe Smitherman, Brother John Adams, Brother Larry Davis, Brother Royce Bradley, Brother Jim Riddle Hoover, Brother Joe Pien, Brother Leon Manning, Brother Oliver Murray, and Brother Luke Bowenbarker uh, have always stood out in my mind, uh, and like I said, had such a such an awesome spiritual impact on me and my life. And of course, all their lovely wives. Don't want to forget them. Uh, certainly, my parents for raising me in a Christian home and teaching me God's Word, and the great love and support of my wife. Um, she didn't want me to mention her, but I, I, had, I worked it in there anyway. Um, and in fact, all of you that have shaped me in so many positive ways over the years, uh, I am truly humbled by your expression of confidence in me and these fine men that I'm in the company of today. But for me, aside from that, aside from someone putting on Christ in baptism, devoting their life, your life to follow Jesus. This moment carries the greatest impact for me. For all of us, this is an apex moment. It's a very sobering and humbling time, and it calls on the greatest of responsibilities of me to place others before self, to love, to listen, to care for my fellow Christians to empathize, to share, and to support in the good times and the bad, especially in the tough and trying times that we all experience from time to time. And this is the important part here. You are my church family. Uh, I love each and every one of you. Uh, and as a family, we are, we are all simply trying to get to heaven, aren't we? I mean, that's what this is all about. <clears throat> uh, 
So I pledge to do everything in my power to love and listen and care for you, to measure every consideration, every situation, and every action against the expectations and the tenets of God's Word, to be fair and impartial while giving God the glory in all things. Please know this, this is not about me, it's not about any man that will stand before you today. This is about all of us, a family after God's own heart, a family of Christians, of brothers and sisters, working toward a heavenly home. I welcome the challenges of serving in this new role, to grow God's kingdom, to assist whenever and however I can as I serve. I ask for your continued prayers, your support as we embrace and and overcome future challenges together, to be successful together, to be unified as God's people. May God bless us in his work. If you will, please please pray with me. Our all-wise and loving Heavenly Father, Father, we love you and we just want to do what's best for us to get to heaven, what you have commanded us to do, to always be found in favor in your sight. Father, I pray at this time that as we embark on this new journey with these men and the congregation, that you will strengthen us as only you can, that we will always look to you for, for that strength, for guidance, or for, for wisdom, that we will look to your word and be centered on your word in all that we do. I pray that this family continues to grow and to flourish and to be that example that you would have us to be in this world. We thank you for your Son, our Savior. This is all about. We pray that you will be with us as we we continue on this journey toward heaven. Bless us in all things is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. I want to echo the comments of uh, Travis and Barrett. Um, Very humbling, um, sobering, and... um, somewhat overwhelming uh, to be uh, considered for this, this work, and by the confidence that uh, you placed in me to serve you with these men. Uh, Very sobering to be listed among those who currently serve as elders and who have served in the past, and uh, not a responsibility that I take lightly. Covet your prayers specifically for wisdom, good judgment, and patience. And in verse 18 of of Hebrews chapter 13 that we just read from, uh, I echo this verse. It says, pray for us, for we are sure that we have good conscience, desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. In in Numbers chapter 6, 
uh, starting in verse 22, God instructs Moses to instruct Aaron and his sons in how to bless the sons of Israel. And inasmuch as it applies to us, it is also my prayer for the church here at Timberland Drive. In verse 24, he starts, The Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face to shine on us and be gracious to us. The Lord lift his countenance on us and give us peace. Will you pray with me, please? Our Father, we come to you this morning as your children, and we thank you for being our Father, for the wisdom and instruction that you give us in how to live each day. Our Father, it's simply our prayer that you help us to have a heart for righteousness, help us to have a heart that is pure, one that desires your word and desires your will, and that we conduct ourselves in, in such a way. We ask you to bless us and to keep us. And we ask you to turn toward us and to grant us grace and mercy. And we ask you to look upon us, help us to look to you, and that you give us peace and unity. We thank you for all that you do for us. And we pray that you continue to bless us, especially in this. In Christ's name, amen. It's such a compliment, such an honor to be chosen for this role by you. And I pray that I will compliment the men that I'll be serving with. I like the term shepherd. It more defines the purpose or the work of, of an elder. First Peter 5, Peter tells the elders there, shepherd the flock of God. And this is a spiritual flock. About 20 years ago, 18, 20 years ago, we had a class for young married couples. I was teaching that class, and we were, I don't know how it came about, but we were studying the purpose, the, do, the, the duties of an elder. And I have a physical flock of my own. And I use this example that there was an individual that I knew was due to give birth. And so I drove out there that day, and I found her. She was standing there fine. And I knew she was good. She was either... She had either given birth or she hadn't given birth. After class, Jana comes out there and grabs me and says, how did you know? How did you know? And I said, I could tell by her utter, you know, I could tell. The, we have to know our individuals in, each, in this congregation. You can't have a healthy flock without having healthy individuals. That's how you have a healthy flock, by healthy individuals. Another example is, I came on into the field and there was an individual 
she was trying to give birth, and she wasn't going to succeed. I was going to have to help her. She ran to the back of the property. She went through the fence and in the creek. So I went and got some help. <clears throat> we spent the rest of that evening trying to catch her. We did not catch her. She was lost. And I know that the elders spent a lot of time chasing individuals that don't want help. And you, it's that we have duties and you have duties. And please let us help. Let the elders help when, when it comes to that. And as each of the men have said, it's 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 humbling. It's going to be a it's a job. It's a it's a working process. And I would ask that you pray for me and that you would pray for us. Let's bow. Father, I come before you this time asking that we would follow you, that we would do thy will. Pray that you would have your hand on us at all times, as that we would be aware of individuals that need help, that we would be aware of our duties as we are to serve you and to serve others. Father, we are thankful for your Son. We pray that our goal is to get to heaven. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, <clears throat> I thought a lot <clears throat> excuse me, about what I wanted to say, and this is part of what happens when you come last. <laughs> I don't have a lot to say that hasn't already been said by the good men who've preceded me, and I, I do echo their sentiments, and I will say that I am also deeply humbled and honored and I'm so thankful for the, the many words of encouragement from so many. Um, years ago, God spoke to a man in a dream at night. And he said, ask, what shall I give you? And that wise man answered in 1 Kings 3. And he said, give your servant an understanding mind or heart that I may discern between good and evil. He said, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? I've been praying to God for understanding and for wisdom and will continue to do so for all of the elders and for all of us as a body of believers. And I would ask, as others have asked, that you would continue to do the same. I look forward not to governing or judging, uh, as was Solomon's role, but to shepherding and to serving this congregation of God's great people. And I pray that God will always be glorified in the things we do as a congregation here. So bow with me, please. Our God and our Father, we are so thankful once again for the opportunity to be here together this morning. We are so thankful for the elders of this flock who have served in such a, a great capacity for so many years. 
We pray that you'll continue to be with and bless them in their efforts to serve and in their work. And we pray again for those of us who are are joining uh, this group of elders. We pray that you would be with and bless each one of us. Help us to work together in unity and in spirit to your glory. We pray that your will be done in all things, and we pray that you bless us with understanding, with wisdom, as a group of elders and as a congregation of your people, that you'd be glorified in everything we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, these men have prayed for themselves. Um, They've prayed for you and for me. And they've solicited our prayers on their behalf. Let us honor that. And let us all be praying for them and for all of us as we move forward together. Um, And I pledge this, uh, just as a member of this congregation, um, I pledge my submission to these men as they submit to the Lord, knowing that they watch out for my souls, knowing that they'll have to give an account for the way that they shepherd. And I want them to do so with joy and not with grief. I don't want it to be unprofitable for them. I want it to be profitable for them and for all of us as well. Um, It's a good day. It's a new beginning. It's the Lord's Day. And just before sunrise, on the first day of the week, in early spring, around this time, as the world was coming alive again, that was when our Savior rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. And He established a new covenant of grace and hope and fellowship, opportunity for us to be saved and be truly saved through His blood. And we bask in that opportunity, that new consistency, that new constant. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? And we rejoice, not just that the Lord rose again, but that He established and organized His church with men like these, whose faith we follow whose faith we imitate as they imitate Christ. And if you'd like to follow Christ even this morning, you have to follow Him and imitate Him. First into death and burial and resurrection, you have to put to death your old man of sin, you have to be buried in a watery grave of baptism, and you have to rise to walk in newness of life. And if you'd like to do that even this morning, come now, while together we stand and while we sing. Live for Jesus, oh my brother, is